0: There's no better place to take a snapshot of the health of Doctor Who
1: than at the planet's biggest fan-run Doctor Who convention.
0: Chip and I are recovering from our Gallifrey One weekend.
1: We'll talk about what we heard and we learned.
0: And why Paul Cornell forces people to make awful choices.
1: On the February 20th edition of This Week in Time Travel. Good evening, Alyssa.
0: Oh, it's a hell of an evening, Chip.
1: Well, let's talk about that. We are recording not long after the end of the Gallifrey One convention, and the official programming ended with a really, really powerful panel. We'll talk about the news of the week and just more general stuff about Galley later on, but... Alyssa, you were live tweeting something that was really powerful and really important.
0: So it was the Gallifrey Waits No More panel moderated by, by our friend Deb Stanish from the Verity podcast. And it was basically all of the women guests who had been invited to the convention. There were writers and directors and actors. You had Rachel Talalay, Rona Monroe, Sarah Dollar, Chase Masterson, Wendy Padbury, Haley Newbauer, just anybody and everybody was on this panel. And Deb started it off with a conversation about Me Too and the ongoing sort of political movement to get, first, sexual harassers held accountable, and second, to get more women represented in these industries. Uh, and it became this incredibly moving harrowing panel. Obviously, because of the subject matter, things went into a pretty heavy territory very quickly. And I uh, am not going to talk about details. Um, If you would like uh, to know more about what happened, the tweets are available online. To give you the broad overview, there were revelations of all sorts of behavior from discriminatory to controlling. Women were talking about being denied jobs because they were pregnant. Gemma Redgrave and Sophie Aldred told stories of how uh, male producers tried to control their eating and tell them to lose weight when they were getting on jobs. Sophie Aldred told a story of being sexually assaulted, as did Wendy Padbury, revealed for the first time being sexually harassed when she was a young woman actress attempting to audition for a job. And Pick your stories that you've heard recently, and it sounded a lot like the kind of things that we were hearing on this panel. And it was, it it was incredibly emotional to hear about these things. You know, there were there were tears in the audience as we were hearing about some of the things that our favorite women, that our heroes, that our icons, that our role models had suffered through during their careers. I think. One of the incredible things about this is I don't think anyone set out for that to be what the panel was going to be about. But it's like we've been seeing in the Me Too movement. Somebody says Me Too and shares their story and somebody else says that and shares their story. And, you know, there were women saying, you know, I hadn't thought about this since... It happened that it, it happened and I tried to laugh it off and walk away because I didn't know what else to do about it. And I didn't feel like I couldn't speak out. And once one story came out, a flood of these stories came out and it it was moving to see the bravery of that audience and to see the resilience and the just barely suppressed fury of the women on these groups. Camille Kaduri was about ready to punch people. I'm not even kidding. She ended the panel by saying, if telling somebody to stop doesn't work, let me slap them. Like, that's the level that we are at right now. And there was such pain in this panel. There was so much grief, but there was healing and... A sense of resistance, a sense of a sisterhood, a sense that we are all in this fight together and we are going to be looking out for each other. Um, The panel ended with a standing ovation, hugs on the stage, uh, impromptu hugs and tears in the audience. It's quite frankly, one of the most moving experiences that I've ever had a convention, something that I have never seen before and I'm not sure I'll ever be able to see again.
1: I had to miss most of this because I was seeing my family off. My wife and son came with me to galley this year um, and I had to send them off. So when I came downstairs to catch the tail end of it, what I saw was a packed auditorium and it appeared to me like I had just arrived after a moment of catharsis. Yeah, um, There were people in that audience who probably have never encountered What it is that women go through, particularly women in the entertainment industry, women who have worked on Doctor Who and who have helped make Doctor Who what it is today, people who've never heard this stuff before.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the women on the panel were saying that they hadn't heard about some of these experiences before. You, Gemma... Redgrave was horrified by some of the stories that uh, Haley Neubauer, the costume designer for Doctor Who, was revealing about the assaults and harassments that women who work in costuming face because male actors, they're working with these male actors in positions in which they're often alone, they're helping them change, and they're frequently undressed. And most male actors are very professional about it, and some aren't. And Gemma said that was one of the things that completely shocked her because she'd never heard about about that, about how potentially her co-workers, I don't want to say her co-workers, because let's be clear, no names were named during this. But she was horrified by the idea that the people that she could have been working alongside, could also be doing this to the costume designers that she was also working with and and wouldn't have known about it. Um, And I think that's sort of the power of this movement that people are sharing stories and listening and believing women who tell these stories and coming together to fight for each other. You know, so many women are isolated when they face these situations. And it was just so invigorating to... See that there was an army behind you, that there was an army of people in your industry that were going to start looking out for you, that there was an army of people in the audience, in the fans who were going to be saying, we are with you and we will do what we can to help you. It was just, it, it was a revolutionary moment.
1: Inclusion and representation has been something of a running theme during the convention all weekend, both positive examples and negative examples. And we'll get into some of the broader details about the convention, you know, a little later in the podcast. But we wanted to lead off with how the convention pretty much ended with a large panel of women in Doctor Who telling their stories telling stories that had never been told at a large Doctor Who convention before, before an audience that is now in a position to make some changes in the world. Because, you know, once you hear it, you can't ignore it.
0: Yes, exactly. And I think this this is putting us all on notice here. What are you going to do now that you have heard about this? What are you going to do to support not just the people – In this industry on stage who make this show that you love, but the women in your everyday life, what are you going to do when somebody comes to you and shares these types of stories with you? And that was the final rallying call from every single woman on this panel is listen to people's stories when they tell you, believe people when they tell you that these things have happened to them, and then don't sit by, do something about it, act, move forward forward. Try to create tangible change in your community.
1: As Doctor Who moves into an era where the Doctor is a woman and as creators like uh, Rachel Talalay and Sarah Dollard and Rona Monroe and, you know, people, women who have been heavily involved in recent seasons of Doctor Who have made such an impact on the show. Listen to what they're telling you. Listen to what they're telling you. Go to Alyssa's feed on Twitter. She was live tweeting the whole thing um, at at Whovian Feminism. Um,
0: We'll link to the thread in the show notes. And if you want additional details, let me know. I don't want to share them on the podcast uh, just as a respect to our listeners who might find uh, this content triggering or traumatic. So that's fresh in our minds, one of the most impactful moments at the convention. But there was a lot of other really fun, incredible, wonderful things that happened at this convention. So I want to go into a little bit of that. Chip, what was your experience like? What sort of panels were you on this weekend uh, that you really enjoyed?
1: I was only on a couple of panels. I gave up my slot on the Star Wars panel when it appeared that it was just going to be four white guys on the panel because uh, people were late or unable to show up. And as it turned out, we, we achieved parody on that one. It was a good conversation, too. Recent listeners to This Week in Time Travel will know that we spent a lot of time leading up to Twice Upon a Time talking about Christmas specials. And I led, uh, led a conversation about the Christmas specials with the uh, audience. Did my best to do a lightning round of thumbs up, thumbs down of them all. Our friend uh, Riley Silverman... Writer Jenny Colgan, who you're going to hear from in next week's This Week in Time Travel, we had a lot of fun talking about them. For the most part, I attended rather than pontificated, <laughs> and that was perfectly fine with me. Always having so much more fun sort of taking in the atmosphere of the attendees and, the uh, you know, just getting a sense of the health of Doctor Who based on the conversations that I was overhearing and the people that I was seeing here. But we can talk about that in a bit. What about you and your uh, panel activities?
0: Well, I was definitely on a pontificating track at this convention. Um, There were a lot of panels that I was very interested in. So I signed up for quite a few and ended up on three panels. Um, I uh, moderated a panel about life lessons from Doctor Who, which was a really great discussion about sort of how we learn from Doctor Who and how we can explicitly use it as a teaching tool. I was also on the Doctor Who Deathmatch Seasons Edition panel with Paul Cornell. He uh, very cruelly put us all on a stage and made us fight to the not death but slightly bitter, snarky commentary about which was the very best season of Doctor Who.
1: In a totally scientific method.
0: Entirely based off logic and reason and did not involve me at all swearing inappropriately in the middle of the panel. Um, Paul, if you're listening, I would like to apologize for the swearing and also the insults that I directed your way. I'm mostly sorry. I'm not really sorry about anything that I said when you made me choose between Pertwee and Capaldi seasons, But it was a really fun time. I don't think I've laughed uh, quite so hard at a convention. And series nine of the new series won the Doctor Who deathmatch. So it's scientific and real, y'all. Series nine is the best of Doctor Who.
1: I barely survived that. And always in the audience. <laughs>
0: I was also on the Celebrating the Heroines panel, which was just absolutely fantastic. We had Jenny Colgan, uh, Heather Berberet, we had Deb Stanish, Rachel Donner, and myself, and it was basically a lot of wonderful excited happy feminists getting together to talk about our favorite companions from the show talk feminist theory about how we interpret and react to female heroes in pop culture and it was just one of the most engaging delightful discussions that i've ever had at a convention so i i really quite enjoyed my weekend
1: we also, the two of us, participated in Reality Bombs live show, which will be coming up in a couple of weeks as you uh, listen to this, or as we are recording this anyway, uh, and that was really well done. Our friend Graham, uh, if you've heard several times on this show, I think that was the best live show of Reality Bombs that I have seen, and I've seen a fair number of them.
0: I have one line in it. Come listen to my comedy debut with one line.
1: I had to play the straight man, so I got nothing. I got nothing. (sighs) Attendance at Gallifrey One continues to be increasingly diverse, demographically all over the place, or at least in comparison to previous years. I've been coming since 2010 And 2018 Gallifrey One looks very, very different. Looking at some of the group cosplays, the people dressed up as Bill, representing all colors and genders, including one man with a magnificent fro. (laughs) Yes. That diversity continues to improve. Appreciation for Jodie Whittaker was just sky high. So much cosplay, so Mm -hmm. much, so much so much positivity i yes. i i encountered real positivity i didn't hear from a lot of naysayers what i did hear from a couple of times were, were some instances convention panels are can be can be fraught environments uh, whether you're talking about a big a big ballroom event or small panel conversations but i heard of a few too many incidents of either mansplaining on a panel or rude behavior when asking questions. Uh, If you're ever at a convention and you have the opportunity to contribute as an audience member, these are not the places for gotcha questions or opportunities for you to demonstrate how smart you are. It's not the forum for that. And I think courtesy and respect have to come into these conventions. And uh, we need to If we know people who don't follow up with that, we need to hold them accountable for it. This is supposed to be a welcoming place. That doesn't mean that you have to treat every person on the stage as a deity or that every opinion that's issued has equal merit, but courtesy, respect, kindness, the freaking 12th Doctor's final words, you know, take those into you with a convention. For the most part, this was... A good, healthy, positive convention. But I did see a, a few instances where people were just not treated kindly or with respect. And yeah. that's not any fault of the convention or the convention organizers. That's just the fault of people bringing stuff in with them that they should have left out.
0: Yeah. Just remember that the people that you are interacting with are people. You know, they are just as tired and undercaffeinated and excited to be here as you are. And Spend a little bit less time trying to show off and a little bit more time trying to connect and have a conversation. And I promise you, your convention experience will be immeasurably better.
1: I got the sense, a few questioners at one at a couple of uh, panels notwithstanding, I saw I got the sense that this was very much the celebration of executive producer Stephen Moffat that mm-hmm. the convention organizers hoped that it would be. Rachel Talalay ended the panel that uh, you were just describing with uh, giving, giving a lot of credit to Moffat and Peter Capaldi for being partners and supportive and supporting her um, and things like that. But this really was sort of a victory lap for Stephen Moffat regardless.
0: Yeah, I think it was very much uh, a celebration of what we have seen, but also an optimistic look at what's to come.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's our galley report, and we took some interviews this week that uh, we'll be sharing with you next week. We're talking to writer Jenny Colgan, costume designer Haley Neubauer, Dr. Puppet's Elisa Stern, and Rona freaking Monroe.
0: We really enjoyed doing these interviews, and we hope that you enjoy them uh, as much as we do.
1: So we're going to cut back to the rest of the news that happened in the world of Doctor Who, because Galley wasn't the be-all and end-all of Doctor Who this week. So uh, some other stuff happened, and we'll get to that in just a bit.
0: This week on The Incomparable Network.
1: Jason and the crew give a final analysis of the first season of Star Trek Discovery on The Incomparable, episode 394, High on Mushrooms.
0: You know what a good D&D dungeon crawl requires? A big anniversary party, with appetizers. Find out how the adventurers ruin it on Total Party Kill.
1: And Relay FM's Mike Hurley continues discovering movies he should have seen years ago, such as 1992's A Few Good Men on Mike at the Movies.
0: All this and more at TheIncomparable.com.
1: One of the greatest highlights of this uh, convention was we got to see a lot of our Incomparable Network colleagues and friends. Uh, so shout outs, shouts out, wherever the plural belongs.
0: Can you tell that we're really tired? <laughs> we're very tired.
1: But shouts out particularly to Jason Snell and Steve Lutz. Jason, of course, runs the network. Steve is a regular on many of the panel, a regular loads of Loads of fun. Loads of fun.
0: We also got to meet a lot of really incredible people who spend so much of their time creating everything to do with the show that we love. And one of the best bits of news that we heard during this galley weekend was that Titan is going to be producing a 13th Doctor comic and the creative team is all women.
1: Yep, 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 yep. Jodie Hauser will be writing... And somehow, in some way, overcoming her grief and despair over the loss of her beloved Peter Capaldi, Rachel Stott is coming back and she's drawing Jodie Whittaker.
0: We're obviously so excited to have Rachel come back to illustrate Doctor Who. She's already been making quality jokes on Twitter. So go follow her now if you'd like to see some little peeks into the process. Uh, we also got to meet Jody Hauser this weekend at Galley, and she's just an absolute delight. And I'm really looking forward to everything that she does. She's also told us that she has not seen TV scripts yet. She does not know what is coming. So please don't at her on Twitter. She knows just as much as you do. <laughs>
1: This galley was heavy on the seventh Doctor, so Titan also announced this week that they are releasing a seventh Doctor miniseries this summer.
0: Yes, they've announced that Andrew Cartmel and Ben Aronovich are going to be coming back to write the new comic.
1: And Christopher Jones, who drew your favorite Doctor Who miniseries, the third Doctor miniseries, uh, written by Paul Cornell, Christopher Jones will be back drawing the seventh.
0: Uh, we've also got some new production information on Doctor Who. Uh, apparently, new visual effects company is going to be working on the show, Double Negative, which has worked on Altered Carbon, Black Mirror, Outlander, and Agent Carter. Um So it sounds like they will be replacing Milk visual effects. So Milk says the BBC is just mixing up the vendors.
1: Yeah, um... We've been hearing a lot that the new Chibnall Authority, or whatever you want to call it, is uh, really putting a different stamp on it. And I keep saying, just like Stephen Moffat didn't just sort of go into Doctor Who with an intent to bulldoze everything that Russell T. Davis did, I don't think that Chris Chibnall is saying that anything that Stephen Moffat did or any of the people who previously worked on it was bad. It's just... It's time for a new coat of paint.
0: Exactly. And fresh eyes and fresh perspectives. It's, it's always good to shake things up every now and again and get some new, new perspectives on what it is that you're doing.
1: And finally, a bit of casting news outside of the world of Doctor Who. Michelle Gomez is coming off of her breakout, wacky, insane turn as the master for something a little more wholesome and sedate and kind Michelle Gomez has been cast in Netflix's Sabrina the Teenage Witch as Madame Satan.
0: So, you know, it's just going back to her wholesome roots. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Genuinely, that's going to be flipping amazing.
1: Michelle Gomez is flipping amazing.
0: This is true. She
1: can do no wrong. Those are the highlights of the news for the last week. Now it's time to go down to LobbyCon for the last time this weekend have a few drinks, and enjoy each other's company before we all get on a bunch of freaking planes and take off in a bunch of freaking different directions. I don't want to go. We heard that a lot today. Uh, And it's not just because it's the end of one of my uh, favorite uh, Doctor Who episodes. Well,
0: Are you still bitter about that?
1: Even I wasn't going to... Okay, we're not getting into the Doctor Who deathmatch. We're not going to relitigate this. <laughs> You'll also notice if you looked at the uh, show notes or the episode title for this episode is The State of the Whovian, Part 1. There will be a Part 2 in your future. And that is going to be a members special for Incomparable listeners. And we'll have more details about that later on.
0: Thanks for joining us on This Week in Time Travel. You can find us online at thisweekintimetravel.com. We're on Twitter at drwhothisweek. Chip is on Twitter at numeral2minutetimelord. And I'm on Twitter and Tumblr at feminism. You can find us on Facebook, too.
1: This Week in Time Travel is hosted by Jason Snell's The Incomparable Network. Please support our show by becoming a member and ticking the box for This Week in Time Travel and any other incomparable shows you like at theincomparable.com slash members. And that's how you can get our future members exclusive episode. Thanks to Christopher Breen for our original theme music, to David J. Lore for our artwork. And we will be back next week with interviews upon interviews upon interviews with some of our favorite people from the worlds of Doctor Who.
0: Bye-bye.